Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to the Women Today podcast. And on Monday's programme, we've been speaking to the president of the National Union of Teachers, who's on the island for a few days, having a look around some of the schools here and finding out more about our education system and SWIFT. And and during the programme, you are hugely positive about what you've seen Mm, so far in the education system here. Yes, absolutely. I've been very impressed uh, with what I've seen and the way that the uh, schools work um, to give the children a really good deal. And it was great to meet with such dedicated and committed staff and uh, very welcoming schools. It's been a lovely visit. I've very much enjoyed it. Jess Egelnick is the local secretary of the NUT and you managed to sit on the sofa for the whole of the programme, but we've dragged (laughs) you in here for the podcast, Jess. How important is it having this NUT presence on the island, would you say? It's very important. It gives teachers a support, uh, a source of support for things that uh, happen, whether it's with respect to absences and illness of, of their own, um, any issues that come up between, with parents and children, as well as you know their employment contracts and rights, and the, the um, peer support of having that connection to other teachers who can provide advice and uh, recommendations and and just that that general support, but in a professional forum. And Jess, in the program, um, Anne was so complimentary about the education system over here. Certainly compared to to what teachers have to deal with over in the UK. Would you ever consider a career over there? No. It really is a better a better position to be. Everything in here. I've heard indicates that it's so much better here. And when I talk to um, other teachers, when I go to union events in the UK, they can't believe the positive things that I'm telling them that either we don't have to do here or that we have the freedom to do here. And and the way the whole system runs just seems much better here. And the important thing about that, presumably as well, is if the teachers are happier, that is then having mm-hmm. an, an absolute knock-on effect on the children and their future, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely, absolutely. Because we, we have energy to focus on that and, and on the teaching and on the children. And I think that's what I saw in the schools, that the, the teachers were able to put their energy and their creativity into the activities that they were doing with the children and they were really able to think about what do we want the children to learn from what we're going to present them with and all their energy was into that plus some excellent ways of recording children's achievements that I think any parent would be so pleased to see what their child had been doing in school whereas in the UK to tell a parent or oh, your child is has just reached this number and it's below expectations that's that's hard thing for parents to hear and it's a hard thing for teachers to say and I don't think I didn't get any impression here in the island that that would be a conversation parents and teachers would have it will be a much more positive experience for everybody. Now we did touch on the issue of mental health among young people um, during Monday's programme um, and that was all to do with a, a survey that's been carried out by the Prince's Trust and it looked at various issues and, and confidence was one of those. We didn't really get to, to talk much about the social media side mm. of things which is so prevalent now, very different to when you started yes. out in teaching in the 1970s. Yeah. Social media then, good or bad, what, what's your view? Um, I suppose as a head teacher, I saw a lot of the downside of that, both with uh, children getting involved with online bullying, uh, parents making comments, feeling that they were uh, completely uncensored comments that they could make, which the conversations that which in the past would have happened at the school gate are now happening online. Is this about and teachers? So about teachers, very personal comments about teachers. I got a threat of being 
beaten up by a parent online and uh, that does make you a bit nervous and a bit worried about the community you're serving if there are people who feel that uh, there's no filter they can say what they like and there would be no consequences to that either and and we see that happening with youngsters with children um, the online bullying and cyber bullying can be uh, soul destroying and very very harmful to young people who can be vulnerable and then they're uh, made fun of comments are made about their the way they look the way they speak what they're interested in and that can be extraordinarily harmful to them and uh, goes back to some of the things you were saying in the program about uh, mental health issues that uh, children feel less confident more anxious and and not surprising if they're reading when they go home at night some comments about them on social media and the other thing I've uh, experienced is that in the past where children might fall out in school and they fall out with their best friend and the, the world's come to an end if your best friend doesn't like you anymore that is a big deal when you're eight and nine but it would happen at school, you'd go home, talk to your mum or your dad or, you know, other family members, come back the next day and it would be pretty much forgotten. Now that goes on longer. There'd be texting or comments on social media and that kind of interaction can go on for much longer and is much harder for children to cope with and sometimes because they don't air it with anybody. They don't talk to any adult about it and, and that can be, be hard, hard for kids to cope with. Jess, online safety is something that's taken very seriously um, in schools on the island. And speaking as a parent myself, I find that the balance between letting my boys have access to things online because I know their peers do and really worrying about what they they are seeing, even though you know you can put all the, the filters and protection in place, I find it a really hard balance to strike. Is there a general policy, I suppose a question to both of you actually, Jess and Anne, is there a general policy that you think parents should follow? I think one of the biggest things is to be able to have an open dialogue with your your child because the the cases where we find that the children are aware of something happening but it's dealt with effectively are the cases when the child feels comfortable reporting to their parent what somebody else has said what somebody else has shown them what they've seen without fear of repercussions without fear of losing privileges um, and in, in those cases those children don't seem to have have the problems but where you get children who are completely uncensored parents aren't interested in what they're doing parents don't talk to them about it or where the chi where the children feel that they can't speak about it because they'll lose the privilege of, of the device then that's where the problems come up and as long as there's that open dialogue and the children know parents will be checking or the phones are mirrored in some cases parents are going to know what's going on so I'm going to behave accordingly and it's okay for me to tell them that somebody has done something then you know that that doesn't seem to have any any negative follow? I think one of the difficulties is that uh, some parents use uh, the, the technology as a kind of babysitter and to entertain their children without really knowing what it is that they're looking at and uh, even though you can have filters and block certain sites there are other ways that things come up <coughs> and and we do know that uh, some sites are specifically targeted at children that are not suitable and they use names like Disney character names to lure children in and they're not suitable content at all uh, so it, there's no substitute really for parents monitoring what their children are up to and not not having devices in bedrooms. It's really better to have it in, you know, in the living room or the dining room or somewhere where you can glance at what's going on on the screen. And and as Jess says, that uh, kind of 
trust for children that you know that, that they should always say if there's something they're seeing or speaking somebody's talking to them that they feel uncomfortable with and that they should talk about it and check it out and there is a big job for schools to do in making sure that children are cyber savvy I suppose so that they know that that actually what I'm seeing or what I'm reading isn't really what I should be seeing and reading um, but it's hard it's hard for parents mm -hmm. and it's hard for kids and so we need to keep it top of the agenda and in, in the forefront of people's minds. It's going to be difficult though, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, it's this, this sort of lead by example element, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. actually parents spend all the time on Facebook as well and they're always on their phone checking what's going on on, on online me media. <laughs> <laughs> Not directly, maybe out of the corner of my eye, but you know, if, they, if yeah, they're yeah. seeing their parents yeah. do that too, how can they then say, well, it's wrong? Yeah, and we'd be hypocritical, wouldn't we, if we yeah. said you should never go on devices or anything because that's not the modern way. You know, we all use our phones and our uh, laptops and so on to find information yeah, and to entertain checking. ourselves, yeah. you know, and so on and uh, interacting with other people. But, the you know, there has to be a balance between interacting with real people that are actually there in the room with you mm. and being all the time on some kind of device. And I do think there is some evidence that uh, particularly for young children when they're developing language if there's nobody actually talking to them then that's harmful to their mm -hmm. language development as well and that's it's sad to see parents on their phone baby in the pram nobody interacting or talking with them and perhaps we need to bring more focus to bear on that that actually we do need to talk to one another mm -hmm. in the flesh it's a, it's a very difficult situation for parents as well because with technology having advance so quickly mm -hmm. you can no longer model your policies on what your parents did or what that previous generation did and everybody's making it up as they go because yeah. you know it's and it's advancing so quickly that even what worked three years ago with with your first child isn't going to work with your second yeah. child because yeah. the technology is different the access is different and expectations are different so it's it's a very difficult situation for everyone to keep up with um, let's just uh, close the podcast with uh, looking at an issue that we kind of touched on it towards the end of the programme, Anne, and that was the, the idea of this X-factor generation, the children mm. who believe they can have everything, they can be anything they want. It promotes a wrong image and a, a wrong impression to young people that, you know, just by saying, I want to be famous, and often when you see people being interviewed on the X-factor, they say, well, what's your dream? And it, it's kind of put out as if... Um, yeah, if I go on TV and I make a record or, you know, however they do it technologically these days, um, that you'll be sat a satisfied human being and, you know, the, the world will be your oyster. And it kind of gives the impression that all that can be achieved with very little effort on your part. You just have to want it hard enough without actually you have to work at it hard enough to really be successful. Well, we were talking about this um, before we came on air, and Jess, you were saying as well, it's, it's not just sort of X Factor, it's also this <laughs> idea of YouTubers and vloggers and things, in that actually <clears throat> you can become famous really quickly, mm -hmm. but it's obviously that's not a career choice, is it? No, well, the children see it ge ge genuinely as a career choice that's going to make them money. And when you look at what children are reading, they're reading books that are written by vloggers who are still in their teens or early mm -hmm. 20s, and it is strangely more of a viable career opportunity than it seems to you know mm. to people who've gone through a more traditional path but those are also one-off situations there there's still that element that not everybody is going to get to that point not mm. everybody is going to have those followers and and as Anne's saying it doesn't mean that you're going to have the satisfaction of doing something meaningful which is one of the things that um, according to that that video we were discussing that millennials want as they're in search of meaning and purpose 
but that doesn't come from having a meaningless blog and a few people following you either. And also, um, it's encouraging what we were talking about earlier, Ram, when you're saying, you know, Facebook in itself and, and all the social media sites are encouraging negativity. If you're a vlogger, you're very much encouraging potential negative backlash from people and people critiquing you and sort of saying nasty things and trolling you, aren't you? So again, it's sort of fueling that whole environment. Yeah, I suppose we're in a, a situation where we, we've we got to develop our uh, pathway through these things and um, we're still in what I would call a fuzzy situation where it's not clear whether this whether these developments could be a force for good or a force for bad I, mm. i'm trying to think perhaps when the printed word was first invented did people think oh this gives mm. people a green light to write whatever they like <laughs> about other people and perhaps some of our fears were fears that they had and proved not to be as terrible as we thought at the time so i think we have to find our way through these things but certainly the idea that you could you know, anybody can sit in their room or anywhere they like and put out something and everybody will follow them and think they're wonderful and what happens when actually they don't. And oh, and one of the things I've seen in the island schools is this idea of building resilience and perhaps children really do need quite a lot of resilience mm. in the modern mm. world to uh, know what's important and what's valuable and what's worthwhile and, and brush off some of the other stuff that um, uh, could be harmful. NUT President Anne Swift, it's been fascinating having you with us this afternoon. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Uh, Jess, there was a, a sort of a running theme throughout the programme about Anne's hatred of bananas. I just want to check how you feel about this uh, yellow fruit. Um, I'm a fan of the real banana, but not as much a fan of the fake banana as in a banana milkshake. Right. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, you aren't a fan of this uh, bottle flipping trend, Absolutely which I not. have to say is the bane of my life at the moment. What is this all about? I couldn't tell you. It's one of those internet challenges that then takes over the classroom and uh, endless bottle flipping behind your back all the time. I think these things come and go. I mean, when uh, not so long ago, it was these uh, discs that children collected. I can't remember the name of them now, but then they used to collect them and they could be flipped and played with and they were all... And then it's like collecting football cards. What were those and, little uh, bands called? Oh, loom yes, bands. The loom bands. Loom bands. You know, yeah. these things come and go. And, well, I've still got a load of those in my hoover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where the, they belong, I think, <laughs> by the sound of things. The bottle flipping challenge could be um, used as a good science <gasps> If only we had a couple with, and, them, with us now. Yeah. We could try it out and see what's the optimum um, amount of liquid to be in the bottle to get the best results. And yeah, there you go. Turn it back to science. I yes, love it. Yes, the different kind of plastics, the size. Lid off, lid on. Lid on. Well, I'm going to have to stop you there, Anne. Okay, okay. She's still going. She's still going. Uh, Anne Swift and Jess Egelnick have joined us for the Women Today podcast. Uh, thank you very much for downloading it. You can find out more information and follow our blog at manxradio.com. Women Today, brought to you by CityWing.com for your next flight away. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click Shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.